We are continuing our series on Christmas songs that we've talked about, the songs of Christmas. And, uh, you know, traditionally, we like a lot of, how many of you know you got your own tradition at your house? Right? Everybody's got their own one. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting is that when you get married, all of a sudden one spouse has certain traditions, the other spouse has got other traditions. Did anybody have a conflict whenever uh, mixing those together? Come on, let's be honest here. It's like, which ones are we going to embrace? Are we taking yours? Are we taking ours? Are we combining them? Are we getting rid of all of them and doing all of our own? Right? Sometimes you have to do that. Uh, that's just how it is. I don't, uh, and I know my mom may be watching, my mom and dad, but I don't really remember many traditions that we had other than obviously we had to wait for my parents to get up. And not only that, how many of you know, and some of you guys may have this tradition, the coffee had to be made first. All right, some of you guys identify with that. I remember waiting, and it's like, well, we got to make, we got to get our coffee first. And as a kid, I didn't understand that. As an adult, I'm in total agreement. As a matter of fact, that's a tradition I carry on today. Other things that we have done, I'm going to give you some of our family, then I'm going to share some others. First of all, Pastor Colleen makes the most incredible breakfast. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it, like a, a casserole and a bundt cake. It's got biscuits and uh, eggs and bacon and sausage, bell peppers, her own homemade gravy, not any of that box stuff. Amen. And uh, let me tell you, she only makes it one time a year. Yeah, it's, not, it's probably all the calories in combined right there for the day. Uh, but it's good, isn't it? Right? That's like a, a, a staple that we have. Uh, everyone that gets up before, you don't have to wait for the coffee. You can get into your Christmas stocking. And one thing that Santa always does at our house is there's always new underwear. <laughs> Sometimes interesting underwear. Let me just put it that way. Uh, after breakfast, we gather in the living room. We read the, I usually read the Christmas story, and uh, we have a time of worship before we get into the presence because Jesus is number one. Amen? He's, he's the number one. Uh, after that, somebody... Here's the thing. When the kids were little, everyone wanted to be Santa. Now that they're old, nobody wants to be. All right? That means going and grabbing a gift for each and every person. And with, at our home, everybody got one gift at first and then and then you go around the circle opening it uh but somehow it evolved to where you got to guess what's inside the package and uh, so we guess i remember a few years ago well it's been a number of years ago i got my wife something it was in a box about like that and she says i don't know what it is it's a cow and opened it up it was a tea kettle that looked like a cow and uh had the spots had a, anyway i was like i just thought that was funny we always save the best gift for last, and so when they were younger and into the teenage years, we did a scavenger hunt. Anybody ever do scavenger hunts with their kids? Yeah, and uh, Stephanie got to experience it for a couple, where you have like a, a clue which led you to another clue that led you to another clue, and eventually to the uh, gift itself, and uh, they got older and said, we don't like doing this anymore. We don't do it anymore, but you know what? Guess what? We got grandkids coming up. So, uh, and, and let me just say, don't throw anything at me, but when our kids were young, we told them the truth about Santa Claus. Okay. I know people, I know, listen, uh, we did say, Hey, it's okay. We grew, you know, when they were really young, we were in Colorado Springs, Santa's village there or workshop. I can't remember what it is. 
Uh, so we're like, okay, it's, it's okay to pretend we didn't have any problem. It didn't ruin Christmas for them. They're not having to see a psychologist or anything over it. But we just felt like, you know what? We need to tell them the truth about that. Uh, they didn't believe an Easter bunny dropped eggs. They didn't think the tooth fairy came and snuck in their room in the middle of the night. Can I just say that's a little creepy? <laughs> like, wait a minute, someone's un- they're under my pillow? And uh, so here's the thing. We didn't want them to find these imaginary characters and then tell them about Jesus. Like, oh, wait a minute. Is Jesus real? Yeah. Right. So that was our conviction. We don't push it. Listen, you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, but let me tell you. And where's Josh? He's right there. He's our uh, he's always been Mr. I got to have truth uh, ever since he was even young. And so he took it upon himself that he needed to educate his classroom and all of his peers about the truth about Santa Claus. Yeah, and it was like, uh, no, it's not your job to tell them that. So let me just say, when he was even younger, like three or four, I don't, he was in the shopping cart. We were talking about this the other day at the grocery store. Sweet lady came up, asked him, oh, young man, what is Santa going to get you? And, and he goes, Santa's not real. My mom and dad get me gifts. And uh, I don't know what that lady's or She's just kind of like, oh, okay. Weird family. Let me back up. Uh, so that was, that's some, we have other traditions things too, but uh, I had put out on Facebook and sent a message. Some of you guys responded. Uh, Carrie and Dom's tradition is driving around and looking at Christmas lights, especially the uh, inflatables on Doe Street. How many of you have seen those? Hopefully you will incorporate, this is our fourth year doing our Christmas drive through How many of you know that's an important thing because you hear the Christmas story? Bob and Marilyn uh, sent me and uh, said, Bob makes a fruit salad, not a fruit, fruit cake, right? Are they here? There they are back there. You guys are messing me up. And uh, they watch It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street. Anybody do that? Yeah, that's always fun. James said that every year a child gets to open a gift on Christmas Eve. Anybody, you guys did that? that like they're begging, right? So uh, uh, Christina told us they get a live tree, spend the evening listening to Christmas music. Harry Connick Jr., Brian Stetzer, is that how you say it? And drink hot chocolate, decorate the tree. That's nice, all right? And, and they said every year the kids got to pick out a new ornament for the tree. And as they progressed, we, we did the ornament thing too until they all hit 18 because there's no more room on our tree. We got too many ornaments. So uh, Jeff said they always do a devotion out of Luke chapter 1 and 2 uh, before opening any gifts. Uh, Steve said he grew up Catholic, so they always went to midnight mass. And he always got a big Hershey bar because he's from New York. And I guess that's a big deal there, right? I don't know. I like Hershey's too. So uh, uh, Charlene said they always did devotions and, and, and shared. Sandra Reader said they always, I like this one, I always had a birthday party for Jesus on Christmas Eve. And the kids got to pick the food. That's cool, isn't it? So uh and uh, the last one that I got actually was a friend from not this church, but when we were in Colorado Springs, a good friend of mine, and if you saw my Facebook, he actually posted this. He goes, when we were growing up, my dad would take us to the woods, find our Christmas tree, and then we would use his 12-gauge shotgun and shoot it down. <laughs> Timothy and I were talking about this, and I was looking for a picture. Uh, he found a video, and I'm going to show you uh, Go ahead and show that. I don't know if you can. You get that on the online too.
Uh, well, if you'd shoot the center of it for crying out loud. is all it took six shots is all it took so if you've been doing it old-fashioned way getting under there getting sap all over your hand cutting that thing down just pull out your 12-gauge shotgun six shots and you got your Christmas tree I don't know what it's gonna look like at the bottom of it but hey that was an idea so another Christmas tradition is uh, Christmas songs everybody how many have you got your favorites Right? How, does anybody have songs you can't stand at Christmas time? That somebody said all of them. Oh. I love it. So uh, I'm gonna. I got actually some of the. Uh, man, I totally didn't expect that, but that's funny. I wanted to pull out uh, three of the ones that were, are quite interesting. Two of them. Uh, Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. This was on my wife's Facebook. If your grandma got run over by a reindeer, you may be entitled to compensation. I just thought of that, but has anybody ever actually read the words to that song? No, it's like we kind of know the chorus of it, grandma got ran over, which is a morbid in itself that we're singing that. Let me give you some, uh, oh, I got the wrong one up here. Let me give you the, the, the lyrics to it, because then you're going to think this is a horrible song. It says, uh, you know, after, see, see here, uh, but me and Grandpa, we believe, he says, she's been drinking too much eggnog, and we begged her not to go, but she forgot her medication, and she staggered out the door into the snow. We found her Christmas morning at the scene of the attack. She had hoof prints on her forehead and incriminating claws on her back. And then we sing Grandma got, like, celebrating that. All right, let me go on. Now, we're all so proud of Grandpa. He's been taking this so well. We've seen him watching football, drinking beer, and playing cards with his cousin Mel. It's not Christmas without Grandma. The family's all dressed in black, and we just can't help but wonder, should we open her gifts or send them back? Is that a horrible song? I'm like, come on, and we're singing and celebrating like... That's a horrible song. Horrible. I don't, want to say, I don't even want to hear it anymore. Anyway, uh, another one. This is my wife's favorite. Uh, uh, the Christmas shoes. He turned and looked at me and said, Mama's made Christmas good. Basically, if you don't know the song, Chris, who knows the song Christmas shoes? They made a movie out of that. This kid is buying shoes. His mom doesn't, he doesn't know if his mom's going to live or die. She's on, the, on her deathbed and he's going to buy her shoes. Oh, this will make her happy. Can I tell you, if I'm on my deathbed, let me just, kids, when I'm there, don't buy me any shoes. I don't care. I'm not going to get any wear out of them. Take the money back. And uh, anyway, I don't really like it. Here's, a, here's evidence that this song is not very popular. Most commonly mentioned negatives about Christmas, the stress of buying gifts. Anybody agree? All right. Commercialism, uh, traffic, missing loved ones, and then new songs, the Christmas shoes. Takes the largest part of the pie right there. I mean, any mom, it's like, that's a, I don't like that song anyway. Here's another one that, uh, let me just see if you guys can guess the name of this song. Yeah, so nothing really wrong with that song other than it kind of cracks me up because my, uh, my grandkids, three-year-old Levi and Abby, four, almost five, 
Uh, but I asked them this week, I'm like, hey, would you guys like a hippopotamus for Christmas? And a Levi's like, a real one? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, a real one. He goes, like a big one? I said, yeah, a big one. He goes, no, it'll wreck our house. <laughs> Logically thinking, and then Abby's like, and it will eat me. So uh, let me just tell you, if your kids want a hippopotamus, tell them, like, listen, it's going to wreck your house and it might eat you. So uh, anyway, those are just funny things there, but uh, let me kind of shift gears here. I want to talk about a song, Silent Night, and we know that. It's a great song. You may not know uh, the history of Silent Night. It was a, you know, a calm, brilliant night. In 1816 is when it was written by a young priest in Austria. It was right after the Napoleonic Wars taken place. And the backstory is that after the war, after all of that, he was out, it was snowing, it was, uh, and he was just felt the presence and the peace of God, and he was inspired to write this. And so over the next hundred years, this song gained such popularity. It was translated in over 300 languages, sung in churches, town squares, and even, some of you guys will know this, on the battlefield during World War I. And what happened in 1914... Uh, the Pope had tried to, uh, to have a ceasefire for Christmas, but it was rejected. However, all the soldiers on every side, cold, uh, bitter, cold and tired, exhausted, uh, they started singing songs from the trenches, both sides. And, and this song, Silent Night, began to ring uh, in these different languages. They held up a truth sign, basically, you don't shoot, I'm not shooting. And they got out, and this is an artist in winter, because there's different sides of the, of the story, because everybody, all the different soldiers are riding home. There were over 100,000 soldiers on both sides that participated in this, and, and it was that silent night, no gunfire that night. And, and I believe that that was an act of God right there. So as we sing this song, nobody's hiding back here, are they? Okay. Uh, as we sing this song, you, listen, you guys join in as we sing this song, okay? Sleep in heavenly peace. 
Isn't that a good song? I want to focus on one line of that song, and that's really where I'm going to be talking about sleep and heavenly peace. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yes. That's some restful sleep right there. It's talking about, obviously, the baby Jesus sleeping, and, uh, you know, I think most of you guys know I've been holding a lot of newborns the last month and a half, <laughs> and... Uh, and you know what? When a baby, especially when a newborn is sleeping, aren't they peaceful? I mean, they're not worried about anything. They're so, they're so calm. I mean, when they're asleep, let me just put it that way. They're so calm. And why wouldn't they be? They don't have any bills. They don't have any work issues. There's no relationship issues going on, no family problems that they're aware of. No existential crisis going on in their life. No feelings of inadequacy. Oh, I'm just not as tall or I'm not as pretty. I'm not as this. They're not worried about that. How many of you know they're not worried about the economy? And they really don't care who's president or who's running for president. You know, going back to my message last week, they're not worried about the, uh, the royal family in England either. Right? They're not worried about any of that. It's like, wouldn't you be able to sleep peacefully if you had, like, no worries. Just give me my bottle and change my diaper and I'm good. Right? Life is good. It's an amazing thing. And I really want to talk about sleep. And it's like, well, is this a Christmas message? I think it's an important message for us. Here's a, let me give you some statistics as we get into this. Babies need 12 to 17 hours of sleep a day. That's a lot. Some of you guys as adults need that, right? No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> I heard a couple claps there. Toddlers need 11 to 14 hours. And do you realize 25% of young children have sleep problems or excessive daytime sleepiness? That's one out of every four. 50% of children ages three to six experience nightmares. All right? That's a lot of kids. Let me just say, uh, parents, grandparents, you got to be careful what you allow your kids to watch on TV. Amen. You may think, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. Uh, it's probably a bigger deal than you realize. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine says students, teenagers, ages 13 to 18, should have 8 to 10 hours every 24 hours. And here's the thing. I believe because of these devices, uh, less and less teenagers are getting more of the sleep they need. Up all night, uh, middle of the night, 57.8% of middle schoolers, 72% uh, of high schoolers get less than the recommended amount of sleep. How many of you know that's going to affect you? That's going to affect you whether you like it or not. And this isn't just kids. As adults, and I know some of you guys will identify with this, 35.2% of Americans get less than seven hours. You need at least seven hours. I know eight is great. Right, but how many of you, especially if you got little kids, seven would be wonderful, right? And people are not getting that. Almost a, a little over a third of adults are not getting it. And lack of sleep, it'll lead to high blood pressure. Uh, here's one study said 10 to 30 percent of adults struggle with chronic insomnia. 40 percent of uh, older adults struggle with that. And, and here's the the reality: I understand some of that is because of pain in your body right? Back pain, neck pain, foot pain, ankle pain, eyeball pain, who knows what it is. Uh, but that stuff will keep you up. Drowsy driving is responsible for 6,000 
Here we go. Uh, 6,400 fatal crashes every year. The uh, estimated impact of uh, not getting enough sleep is $411 billion. So bottom line, people are not getting enough sleep. And we need it, don't we? Like, how many of you know sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap? Amen. How many of you love your afternoon, Sunday afternoon nap if you get one? So here's the thing. Getting enough sleep has got a lot of positive benefits. Let me name a few of them. If you get enough sleep, your immune system is stronger. All right, did you guys realize that? Meaning you're going to get sick less, obviously. It helps you maintain a healthier weight. Obviously, I need to sleep more. Uh, lower your risk for serious heart problems, diabetes, heart disease. Reduces stress, improves your mood. Anybody ever meet moody people? And it's because you did, how many, don't raise your hand if you've been, well, let me do this, point to the one, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, helps you think more clearly, helps students do better at school, helps you do better at work, helps you get along with other people again, because you're not so moody, uh, helps you make better decision and avoid injury more often, because you're alert. This is just an important thing. I'm not here to try to lecture you on, you better go to bed early, better make sure you get your sleep. I'm not trying to sell you any kind of essential oil that will make you sleep better or buy this special pillow. There is a multi-million dollar business that will try to help you get some sleep. Am I right? Because it's a struggle that so many people have. But I do want to pray that God will help you get sleep in heavenly peace. Amen? That's... Is that up there? There we go. I didn't put that back up there. We need to have that. I believe if we're going to be on top of things in life, we need to get the sleep that God designed these bodies for. Amen? Oftentimes, uh, like I said, I know physical reasons. You don't have to raise your hand. Our first service, you know, was made up of mainly older adults, and there was a lot of hands just because of body pain. Right, And I believe that we need to pray for that. God can heal that so that you can get rest. Amen. But there's a lot of other people that don't get to sleep because they just simply can't turn their mind off. All right? How many of you have been there? Like my mind's just going. I can't stop thinking about this. Sometimes whether it's worry, anxiety, fear, sometimes people are up awake about something that happened two years ago. And they're thinking about it. And it's like, oh, I wish this would have happened. I wish I could have done that. And we allow all of these things to bounce around in our mind all the time. And we can't go to sleep. Eventually, you fall asleep out of exhaustion. So uh, in response to that, I want to give you two Bible stories today. Uh, real quick, you're probably familiar with both of them. The first one's in Matthew chapter 8. It says, then Jesus got into the boat started across the lake with his disciples suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat but what was jesus doing he was sleeping how many of you know that's some hard sleep if you can sleep through a storm like that he is sleeping hard and it says the disciples went and woke him up shouting lord save us we're gonna drown jesus responded why are you afraid you have so little faith can you imagine like the boat is like tossing and turning and Jesus is sleeping. They wake him up and he's like, what are you so scared of? Are you like, look, we're about to die, Jesus. That's why we're scared. So Jesus got up. Uh, he rebuked the winds and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Right? They were shocked. Uh, in the middle of this storm, Jesus is sleeping. 
He is out. I'm thinking, you know, how many of you guys, anybody ever fall asleep on a hammock? Right? Isn't that nice and the gentle breeze and it's going back and forth? Jesus was fine because he's like, man, this boat is rocking really good. You know what? I'm falling asleep. He wasn't worried. Not at all. Let me give you the reason why is because he knew he had power over that storm. I don't have to be afraid of this storm. All he had to do was speak a word and it became calm. So a couple of takeaways out of this story. Number one, Jesus is not intimidated by your storm. Right? If you're going through something, if you're going through a challenge or a trouble in your life right now, God is not up there like, oh no, what am I going to do about your storm? <laughs> well, that was a big one. That is a big one. Oh my gosh, I don't know what we're going to do. You think God's worried about that? No, he's not intimidated. And secondly, he's got the power to steal your storm anytime. All right? And I know you're like thinking, well, okay, now's a good time, Lord. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that? Like, God, now, anytime you're ready, listen, Jesus will calm the storm at the right time. We've got to trust him with that. He can speak to it. Whatever your chaos is going on in your life, we know, we've got to know, hey, listen, Jesus is on my boat. I don't have anything to worry about. If this storm goes on a little bit longer than I like, I'm still okay because Jesus is still on board. Amen? And anytime he wants to speak, he's going to bring calm. Amen? Amen. Another great story out of Acts chapter 12. And uh, they're talking about Peter. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And uh, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. And this took place during the Passover celebration. And look what it says. Then he imprisoned him, placed him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, which is somebody quick with the math. How many soldiers is that? 16 soldiers to guard one person. Anybody think that's a, a, a little over, top, over the top there? Why would he have gotten 16 soldiers to do this other than the fact that uh, Herod had uh, imprisoned people before and they have gotten out? Specifically, Peter. He's been there before. Other believers have been in prison before and miraculously made it out. So he's like making double time. I'm putting 16 soldiers. I'm going to chain you up. I'm going to make this an impossible situation for you to get out of. And uh, here he is. He's in there. And it says, uh, Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But Peter was in prison. And look what happened. What happened to him while he was in there? The church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, I want to stop at this point of the story and talk about something. Because the church back then, they didn't storm the gates and demand Peter be released. They didn't sign petitions and go online on Facebook and uh, talk about the injustice. What did they do? They prayed for his safety and for his freedom. Listen, Peter had prayer support from around the church. They were all praying for him. Do you realize that's what we're supposed to do as a church? Right? We are supposed to pray for one another. That's one of the things that we do on Thursday night here is that we have church-wide prayer. And so, listen, if you have prayer needs, we ask that you send them in. We don't just like, follow, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll pray for you. No, Pastor Colleen has got a list of things that we have prayed for on a regular basis 
And, and we lift that to the Lord. All the better is if you can make it on Thursday and join us, right? But we are praying and believing God for miracles in your life. Amen? For impossible situations to become possible. So we need to realize, and listen, it's, you don't just have to wait till Thursday. We have a, a prayer chain set up through our simple church. Not everybody gets it. If you want to be on it, you can let us know. We can add you. But when people call in with a prayer need, we put it out on the prayer list and people pray. Right? It's not a gossip line. I know some people are like, oh, no, it's the gossip line. No, we put it out as a prayer request. People actually pray. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen? And let me tell you, as I'm talking about this and thinking about it, there have been people, we've been pastoring a lot of years. There's a lot of people that have this idea, oh, I don't want to bother anybody with my problems. I, these are my problems, so I'll just deal with it on my own. I don't want to have to mess with anybody else. And, and like, really, to pray for you is not a problem. How many of you realize that? It is not a burden. Uh, I, I believe that there's probably people here today, you've got problems and struggles that you're going through, but nobody else knows it. Right? I don't know if you guys know this. I don't have a crystal ball. Pastor Colleen doesn't. I can't read anybody's mind. If you have a problem, and I, let me just say this as well. I don't, we don't read everybody's Facebook page. So maybe, well, I put it on Facebook, but then they didn't see it. We don't see all of that stuff. So uh, you actually got to tell somebody. Amen. You got to let people know. Here's one thing that we have realized that there are some people when they go through problems and struggles, they don't even come to church because they're like, oh, man, I got too much going on. I'll come back when everything gets better. Right. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, that makes no sense, does it? To stay away from the very place and the people that you need to be around. Amen. So don't isolate. Don't try and handle things when you have a need. Friend, I want to encourage you, ask for prayer. You're not putting anybody out by asking somebody to pray for you. That's what we're called to do. We're going to have prayer teams up here later. And guess what? If you got a need, come up and get prayer. Amen? Don't just sit back, eh, you know what, I'll just kind of write it out. You can write it out. Can you imagine the disciples like, oh man, we're in the boat, we're going to die. Well, don't wake Jesus up. We don't want to bother him. We don't want to bother him. No, I'm like, hey, Jesus, I need you. And yes, they got called you of little faith, but you know what? The storm ended, right? Sometimes you may not have the faith in your own ability because the situation has just kind of worn you out. But listen, you call some other people of faith around you that will help build up your faith, amen? And they'll see you through it. So uh, I could go on about that, but I'm going to move on. Verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, think about this, this is the night. He's going on trial tomorrow. He's most likely going to face the death sentence tomorrow. Look what it says. He was what? He was asleep. How could you sleep at that moment like that? Like knowing that you're going on trial, they just killed James now he arrested you. This is going to be your fate. And he was asleep. Not only that, in a very uncomfortable, he didn't have a good mattress here. He was fastened with two chains between two soldiers, other standing guard at the prison gate. He knew what was going to happen. He wasn't sitting there thinking about, okay, how can I get out of this? Let's see how tight they put these chains on. Can I slip my hand out? Can I get an escape plan? How can I talk myself out of that? He wasn't wrecked with worry of fear. 
the fact that he may, tomorrow may be my last day on earth. He was able to sleep in the midst of that. And can I say, this was before Ambient came around. All right, this is before uh, all of that. Peter slept knowing that this could possibly be it. But he was able to sleep in the midst of adversity because he knew the history of God. He knew who God was and what he's done. So to sleep in peace, we've got to remember who God is. Remember who the God is that you serve. Peter knew that what had God had done before, he knew that he could do it again. Right? God got Peter out of prison before. He's like, oh, you know what? If God wants to, he can open up these chains. He can make them drop from my hand, and I can walk right out of there. Peter knew that God was still in control. And that God was greater than any human problem. I mean, here's the reality. This, this, there was no natural answer, solution to his problem. I'm in here. I'm in chains. I'm facing the uh, trial tomorrow. And, and so since he knew there was nothing he could do in the physical realm, he rested in the peace of God. He just sat back and rested. It. And, and I want to encourage you, when you feel trapped and there's no way out, you need to accept the peace of God. Amen. God, you've given peace. I can be at peace. There's nothing I can do about it. So God, I'm trusting you. I'm putting my trust 100% in you. Your problem is not new to God. Like I said, God's been there, done that too many times. He can handle it. Another thing about peace is this. Peace is knowing uh, as having knowledge. Peace is, uh, is the result of having knowledge about who God is. What do I mean by that? You know what God can do. I mean, let me put it in this thing. I've, I've gone to the same person to get my hair cut since we moved here five years ago. I don't go, you know, if I go into super cuts, did anybody ever go in there with a little nervousness like, oh no, what's my hair going to look like after, right? I see a few hands. Because you don't know. It may come out with a good haircut. You may come out like, you know what, just shave it all off because that's horrible. Uh, I go to the same person. I don't worry about my haircut because you know what? I've got a history. She cuts it the same way every time and I'm good with it, right? When you have history, you can rest in that. Same thing is true. You know what? We like Thai food. We go to the Thai house over by the airport. It's always good. We don't, you know, sometimes you can go to some places. They make it good, but you go to another restaurant. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, this is disgusting. Right, I'm never going back there. But once you find a place that you really like, you keep going back and you keep getting good service. And uh, I can call up there. They recognize my voice and they already know my order. And, uh, that, and so I don't worry about it. I don't have any anxiety. Oh, no, is this going to be good or not? I know it's going to be good. Uh, last week, or I guess it was the week before when we visited Joshua and Heather in the hospital... Uh, it was time for dinner, and we decided to go eat. We're in, we're, we're in uh, downtown Sacramento at Sutter Hospital. How many of you know that's a little bit of a sketchy neighborhood? Right? I'm just saying that. She found a Thai food place to eat at, had good reviews on it as we're driving there. We're play, passing different places that I'm not even putting the names out right now. But it's like, oh, God. <laughs> You know, we're in a neighborhood that I've not been in for before, and, uh, and it's a little sketchy here, where I play, park my car, and it's like, oh, do I have any valuables that i got to lock up here? But 
uh, I was a little nervous what the food was going to be like, but it was, it was good. It was good, but uh, there was anxiety there. And basically what I'm saying is that uh, having knowledge about how you've been served will give you confidence and peace about future service. Can I tell you, God is more faithful than the gal cut in my hair or any Thai restaurant. God's got a history. He's always been faithful to me my whole life. Amen. I, I want to say not everything has always happened the way, exactly the way I want or the way I like. Has that been true with anybody else? Like, God, I had other plans, but I have that never negates God's faithfulness. Because when God's in the driver's seat of your life, and if he takes a left turn that you weren't expecting, you're like, okay, God, this was not the left turn that I expected, but I trust you because you're the one driving my life, and I know that you're going to get me where I need to go. Amen? So, yeah, God will take some left and right. You're like, whoa, I didn't see that on the map, but God knows what he's doing. And when you can trust him in that, let me tell you, you can trust him with your whole life. You can trust him with everything. Amen? I mean, we, we had our Bible study at the, uh, the men's house on Wednesday. We started talking about uh, having the kind of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had before they went into the fiery furnace. Uh, they, and the king's telling them, listen, if you guys don't bow, I'm going to throw you into this furnace and you're going to die. Well, they knew they had a history already with God. And they weren't afraid of facing death. And I think I got the verses here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, I love their statement of faith, is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But I love this. Even if he doesn't, even if he takes a left turn in my life where I'm not expecting it, it doesn't matter because he's the one in charge. We're never going to serve your God. Amen. We're never going to go back because God has always been faithful. Amen. That's the same. Listen, whatever you're facing, you may have taken a left or right that you weren't expecting. But you know what? God is still faithful. God is still on your side. God is still going to be with you even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Guess what? I don't have to fear any evil. I don't have to fear what it is. God is going to take me through. And I believe that the reason uh, the three Hebrew children could face death, it's the exact reason Peter could sleep because he's not worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to happen. Either God's going to get me out of this or I get to spend eternity with him. Amen? That's nothing to be afraid about. He's thinking if God wants to intervene, he will. If he doesn't, even better. Didn't Apostle Paul say this? For me to live is Christ, but to die is what? Gain. Gain. I think sometimes we lose that. Sometimes even as Christians, we want to hang on to life. I mean, and I think that we need to live the life that God's called us, but this life is temporary. And so don't be afraid that, hey, listen, when God calls me home, I'm okay with that. Right? I'm going to miss other people, you know what? But uh, if you know the Lord, we'll see each other again. Amen? Amen? That knowledge can bring you peace. So I want to share with you real quick two strategies to help you. And remember, we're talking about sleep. So these are things that, that we've incorporated in our life. But uh, number one is to pray. Right? When you can't sleep, pray. How many of you know prayer is a good thing? Right? Two different things to pray about. First of all, because here's my thought. 
If the enemy, the Satan, is trying to wake me up from my sleep and I've got worry and fear and anxiety and all of that stuff going on in my life, anybody ever have that happen? My hand's up. All right, you're like, oh, this, this, all this stuff. I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. I got a bill due tomorrow. I've got all of this stuff going on. And so you're up thinking about it. How about flipping the script on the enemy and say, I'm going to pray about it. Amen. Here's what Paul says in Philippians. <clears throat> he says, don't worry about what? Anything. Does that include everything? Yeah. Don't worry about anything. Pray about what? Everything. Right? Tell God what you need. And thank Him. That's a two-way thing. Don't just tell God what you need and go to sleep. No, you tell God what you need and begin to thank Him for all the things that He has done. And then look what it says in verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. We can't even describe that kind of peace, can we? And it says His peace will guard two areas of our life, our hearts and our mind. How many of you know when you're worried and that stuff's going on, I need my mind guarded. I need my mind protected. Well, you may like, oh, well, let me just think positive thoughts. Let me just think positive thoughts. That ain't going to do it, is it? Anybody ever tried that? It's like, oh, that failed. That didn't work, right? Uh, You begin to tell God what your need is, begin to thank him, and then God supernaturally puts his peace on you. Amen? Amen? So that's if the enemy... How about prayer if God wakes you up? Does God ever wake anybody else up? How many of you know one of two reasons he wakes you up? Number one, he wants to speak something to you. He's got something he wants to give you. Secondly, he he may want you to intercede and pray for somebody else. Right? So if God's waking me up, okay, I'm going to pray. There's times I've been woken up, my wife more often. God, God has a harder time waking me up. He's got to shake me harder, but... You know, God's moving and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about this person. If a name doesn't come up in particular, uh, how many of you know, sometimes we just pray for people that we know that have needs. And, and that's a powerful thing. So <clears throat> pray, begin to pray. Uh, other thing that we can do is to, uh, when you can't sleep, read or quote scripture. This is important. Let me tell you, God's word has the ability to bring peace to your soul. Amen. Amen. Now, don't get into Leviticus and think you're going to find peace. (laughs) I'm just telling you, there's scriptures that will bring peace to you. There's some that will leave you scratching your head like, oh, no, don't pick up sticks on the Sabbath, right? So uh, so let me give you some of them. And listen, I've got them right here. If you want a list of these scriptures, just let me know. Text me, email, whatever. I can send them to you. But these are great scriptures. If you, you can write them on little cards. And like if you can't sleep, start quoting the word. Eventually, guess what? If you don't sleep very much, though, you won't have to read them. You'll memorize them. And when you get God's word on the inside, let me tell you, uh, the enemy's going to have a t- harder time messing with you. So I'm just going to read a few of these. And uh, let me just read them. Psalms 4.8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Learn to quote that. Psalms 5.12, For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Isn't that a good verse? Psalms 116, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayers for mercy. Because he, look, he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Psalms 9.10, Those who know your name, trust in you. 
For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Amen. Psalms 29, 11, The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with what? Peace. With peace. Psalms uh, 27, 3, Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. And I, and I, like, I just wanted to put verse 4 on it. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. And then uh, one more here. The Lord keeps you from all harm, watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Amen. Let me just say, can I have our prayer team? Can you guys come up? And uh, I want to take some time to pray. Listen, if you're here and you feel like, and you've got pain in your body that keeps you from sleeping, listen, we want to pray. We want to pray that God will bring healing. Amen? And uh, so, or, or if you just got all of these things that you got problems going on and you need somebody to pray, listen, if you're struggling with sleep, I want to encourage you. Don't, don't just go out the door and say, well, I'll just deal with it myself. I want to encourage you to have somebody pray for you. Amen? Amen. So as Pastor Timothy is singing this song, uh, he did this song last week, and I've been thinking about it all week. It's called Do It Again. And it just it's a reminder that, you know what? God's done it before. He can do it again. Amen. So uh, as we're here, if people are coming up for prayer, can you guys just kind of stretch your hand out and pray for them as well? If you want to, yeah. Uh, so. We're just going to do that. As he, as he leads in this song, I just want to encourage you to come up for prayer. Amen.